Welcome to the CPA Advisory Show. I'm Jeremy Wills, and with me as always is my co-host, Chris Hervishan. How you doing, Chris? Doing great. Very excited. We've got a great guest today. Absolutely. We do indeed. Been looking forward to having him on the show with us today in the studio is Scott Scarano. Scott, how you doing? What's up, homies? Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell us uh, what you're working on, Scott. Been seeing a lot of things that uh, you're putting out recently. What's going on with you, man? I'm working again. <laughs> I, I've taken two years off of what I considered work, and now I think I actually am working again. So I can tell you, I'm just back in front of a computer. Um, so I have a podcast, if you haven't heard, Counting High. I'm running a school now. Basically, I'm going back to high school. I'm the custodian at the high school. I'm rapping. So I'm doing working on my raps and it's all accounting focused, obviously. Like if anybody hasn't heard of it, it's really just a show like this. We just talk about accounting stuff. I just like these fun metaphors and things. So something that I did a lot when I was in high school or that I started doing in high school were, was bracket challenges. Um, but it was always NCAA tournament. I mean, I'm in North Carolina, so it's huge here. And so I've always been running like a tournament and just having things on the side. And back in December, I was looking at like, we just did a rebrand for the show. We used to be sons of CPAs and we had just, just on the final stages of the rebrand, it was looking great. And I just wanted to know, and I was just like, how do we get in front of as many people as we can in the accounting space? And I had a year's worth of ideas filtering through and I met with a buddy of mine, Byron Patrick. Um, and for the whole day, we were just kind of like going through these ideas. What can we do to get in front of as many accountants as possible for this rebrand? And one of my ideas was like tucked away a bracket challenge with accounting apps. And what's the best in, in class of all the apps, of all the categories? It, did, it just started as apps. So that turned into the accountant bracket challenge, which turned into the ABC tournament, which turned into half of it is applications and the other half is education in our whole sphere and we are now in the thick of it right now as we speak we are we just announced the results for round one and round two and now we have our sweet 16 matchups for this bracket challenge so the idea has less of an imagination gap and i can actually talk about it to somebody on a show and it doesn't just sound like crazy talk so um you guys have both probably seen it have you? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Did you vote? Yep. Did you go in and nominate and vote? You can win a trip to Hawaii. I can't say that I did. I'm, I feel embarrassed now. You can still do it, though. You can still go in there at any point. abc.accountingi.com. Go in and vote on the matchups now. You still have a chance to win the Hawaii trip to Hawaii. So we did a live show yesterday and gave away raffle tickets. So we've been giving away raffle tickets for each round of voting and the nominations. So, Jeremy, you probably already have a lot of raffle tickets in there we've been very generous with the raffle tickets it's like we've issued about fifty thousand of them so far um and we we drew some prizes yesterday chat gpt helped us draw some tickets of the fifty thousand that were issued it picked some random ones and we gave away some prizes so uh it's still in the middle of the tournament but this is the first year we're doing it. it's a big experiment and so far we're starting to see what's what like what everybody's paying attention to and slowly like um we're gonna we're gonna have a winner here we're trying to milk this as long as we can just like the regular tournament coincided with tax season um so yeah so i don't know where you want to start there i know that you just asked me what i'm up to what am i working on 
that's what I'm working on. Yeah. I'll give you a question. So that's definitely outside the box, right? Like that's different than what anybody else is doing, especially, you know, in our space for sure. So what are you, what are you trying to learn from it? And then how are you going to use that? Ooh, great, great question. I, th- I see a big long tail with this. So there's a couple of ways to, I can answer that. Um, one thing I want to learn for the education side for me is what is best in class? What is What are people paying attention to in the different regions that we have in the education region? So we have school, one of them we call a school. Um, so different platforms that are learning, like Earmark is one of those in the school. That's one that advanced. Um, we have different communities listed there. What are the best communities? What are the ones that the audience is excited about? Um, what are the best media platforms? So podcast, YouTube. So we have influential bracket, which is a lot of the YouTube creators and the podcasts. So what are the best of, and what makes them the best? And what I'm trying to learn is what can I improve on? Because accounting high, I see the long tail of that being of community. Uh, courses and education, it being a school, it needs to have education. We're going to start offering our own CPE at some point within within Accounting High um, and grow it as a community, like a public school. So this is the start of that. And I'm just learning how, what direction to go in based on what's what people like. And so that's, the, you know, I think before we started recording, you asked, you know, what's good these days? Like, what is good? And that's a hard question for me to answer because the way I think and the things that I do are so different than what the next accountant is doing. And most of them don't get what I'm doing. Like when I first came up with this idea for accounting high, Blake Oliver, friend of all of ours, hated it. And I always use this as an example. A lot of people did not like the idea of accounting high. And I honestly didn't know why, because it was so clear in my head and some people did like it. Some of them didn't. Um, I think long term, you know, eventually my ideas get to the surface where or get to the point where people actually get it. And then they see what I saw in the first place. And Dave Barrett talked about this in an episode I had with him is the imagination gap can sometimes too big with ideas. And I'm an idea guy like you, Jeremy, Um, have a lot of ideas and I want to act on them. I want to work on them. And it's hard for me. So. Now I'm trying to limit my ideas to what's already working and how do I apply that for me? So I see what Jason Stads is doing and he's been a role model of mine and I've been kind of following, you know, maybe a couple of years behind where he's at and just trying to do similar things in my own way. You know, same thing with Blake and David with their cloud accounting podcast, same thing with what Amanda's doing with accounting salon with what Ryan Lozanis is doing with future firm. And I always say Jason Blummer with Thrival, although he didn't make it into the bracket, I I would have assumed I thought he was going to make it pretty far in the bracket too. So the people I'm naming are the ones that have already made it to the Sweet 16 in the bracket and also the ones that I've already seen as sort of role models for me to build out this platform. So that's that's definitely one of the one of the answers to that question. Um, I have another answer too, and that's also fueling for content. So what kind of content should we produce and who are potential sponsors for that content? Because on the application side, you have now, we have at least a list of what are the best in class for these apps that all do similar things? What are the ones that 
people are most enthusiastic about or like the most? What's and what are the ones that we could potentially partner with at Accounting High, maybe possibly for sponsors, but also for content creation and what um yeah that's it like i didn't know what to do going into it i didn't know how we were going to break up the bracket i based that off of the nominations and once we started to see categories natural categories in the nominations then we were able to split out the apps into money apps so apps that move money around we also have apps that are bridge apps that connect different apps together or that act as like an in-between main apps we have accountant apps that are basically accountant facing like bookkeeping type apps or CAS apps. We have another bracket for tax, the tax bracket, right? So there's all the tax apps that didn't, that wasn't very popular. It's more of a bonus bracket. So um, I think I'm missing one of them, but so the general idea now is to look at that and then to start creating content schedules based on those different categorical apps and then also start looking at um, who are the potential partners for us long-term too. So, and what kind of content should we pr be producing based on that? So that's sort of what I'm looking at with this tournament. Otherwise, I wanted to do the tournament because it looked like a fun idea. It sounded <laughs> like a fun idea. And, you know, what better way to do something fun than to get people distracted during tax season in a low lift, like fun little distraction. And that's all I'm good for is a good, color commentary and distraction. I never really have any substance with what I'm actually doing. I have these great ideas, but it's all a lot of, I call myself vaporware sometimes too, because I talk a big game, but I don't have that much meat behind all of it. So. So one of the things that we hear about the profession all the time now is the pipeline, right? And everybody's debating it everywhere. And one of the things that we've been hearing for a long time is we got to get into the high schools. And so I'm wondering yeah. with the branding and the rebranding that you've done, is, was that a thought? Is it a thought? And how are you kind of thinking about that, if at all? Yeah, no, great, great question. So my daughter's in high school. Um, and everything I do is kind of loosely based on my own personal experiences and all that. And the whole idea for Accounting High kind of came from, you know, Sons of CPAs was this next generation of CPAs. That was the play on next generation, Sons, the next generation. I call that our middle school years. Um, but I wanted to rebrand because Sons was too male focused and CPAs was still too, like talking about just that one aspect of the profession, just CPAs. So I wanted to go a little bit broader on both sides, go female, like ma male, female, uh, the gender equality thing. And also the, you know, not just CPAs, but we got EAs. You know, we, we did a show, we did our debate show that Jeremy was a moderator talking about the CPA, the EA, and also there's just a lot of people that aren't even licensed. Um, so how do we do that? And I was trying to think of a broader name and Dave Leary, you know, I, I also talk about smoking weed a lot. I'm trying not to, I'm trying to <laughs> tone that down a little bit too, to just, but Dave Leary was like, why don't you call it something like I'm not high on accounting. And he said that to me and it was like, hmm, that's not it, but I kind of like the idea the play on words. And then the next day I'm talking to some people and all of a sudden it hit me. It was like accounting high, high school. Like that's still the next generation. And it's a play, it's a double play on that entendre, double entendre of high, high and high school. So, and we we're speaking to the next, we, we are the next generation of accountants. You guys are, I am like, as far as, as far as the generational gap that we're seeing with the boomers retiring, you know, what everybody's been talking about and this 
the talent gap too. Like we're going to be, this is, this is our time now, you know, it's our turn to kind of lead the way for the next generation. And how do we attract them? Well, you got to speak their language too. So I don't know. Like, I, I think I always, in the back of my mind, it was something that maybe my daughter could pick up and that she might like and what she interested in, but it's also the same stuff that I'm interested in too. And the stuff that we talk about, and I'm still just trying to figure out who's the, for, for me, I think our audience is still the firm owner, the decision maker, the person in charge of the firm. They're not going to be in high school, but they're going to be hiring people in high school. So how do they, how do they attract talent? And so it's speaking to the leaders of the industry. I think that's my show is still talking to the leaders and not just general, you know, I'm not I'm still not talking to people in high school, but how do we talk to them and how do we get in front of them? And that's still a question that everybody's talking about because people are leaving public accounting and the landscape in the face of public accounting is drastically different than it was when I entered it. And it's still going to be different with the introduction of all the new tools and all the stuff that you guys already talk about, like all of the changes that we're seeing the generation before us never had to deal with. And the generation after us, it's going to look so different. And I don't think any of us really know what the final outcome is going to be, but I do know that it's going to require less people, but people are going to be the center and the most important in everything we do. We just don't need as many of them because most of the grunt work that we, that we needed people for is going to be automated to a large degree. A lot of the manual tasks that now I've outsourced at my firm, a lot of the simple tasks that we do can all be automated with the, especially with tools like chat GPT and what the future holds for that. We're on version four of that right now, but just imagine what the next few versions are going to be and what we're going to be able to do. So we won't need all the people that have left. We're just going to need the most important people. And those are the ones that can interact with clients. Those are the ones that can think, that do think differently and that can think outside of the box. Those are going to be the ones left and those are going to be the ones that thrive. And I, I think you're hitting on something here because, you know, for the last, I don't know, a few weeks, months, maybe even a couple of years now, the conversation about the pipeline, about getting more people into accounting it just seems to keep coming back to a bunch of CPAs talking about how hard it is to become a CPA, right? We're just focusing so much on the 150 hour rule and how difficult the exam is. And maybe let's make some tweaks to the 150 hour rule. Let's make some tweaks to the exam. I think that's just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. I don't think that's actually addressing the core issue, which is what makes anybody want to be an accountant anymore, right? Because we have a profession that, should be more automated than it is. It should be easier than it is not to get into it, but to actually do the work so that we can focus our efforts on the higher value work. Like you're talking about, like talking with clients, but we bring in new accountants and we put them in cubicles or we put them in audit staffs and we don't let them do anything for three, four five years, except get the partner's coffee and do manual labor on you know, tasks that should be automated already. And why would I do that? Right. When I could either, you know, go into a whole separate field and make a lot more money and do a lot more fun work right out of the gate, or just go start my own firm. Right. Like, you know, all I need to do is sign up for an intuit accountant 
account, right? And I've got a bookkeeping firm. Sign up for Realize. Yeah, right, right. Like I've got a bookkeeping firm. I've got an accounting firm. I've got a tax firm and I've got a support network, right? Like with, with virtually no investment. Well, that right there, what you're saying there is still one of the solutions and what is currently happening and you can't fight that is people are still in public accounting in that scenario. They may not be working for somebody else, but they're still in public accounting and they're still serving the same client base. So I think that right there is part of the solution and what people are going to have to realize that this gig economy is spreading to professional services too. Um, and it's going to continue to be easier for somebody to just start out on their own like Logan did than work for somebody else. Yeah, so people's, the offering that we have as employers is going to have to change. The jobs are going to have to be structured a lot differently. Like what we have to start teaching people is how to learn from the streets, not from the books and learning from the streets means interacting with clients and talk the things that you can't learn in a book, the things that you learn when you start working with your first few clients. And when you start running a client engagement and those skills, those soft skills and the things that you can't be taught that you're not going to learn on the CPA exam. You're not going to learn any of the stuff that you learn as a business owner through those exams and through the books. You're learning that stuff on the streets in real time, meeting with clients. And that's what we're going to have to look at. Those are the positions that we need at our firms. And in a way, the the CPA curriculum, right? Like the all three phases, the 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 education, the exam, and the experience, it's just a hindrance to that. It's a big delay to that, right? Like oh, hell it, yeah. it, it yeah. makes it to where it's so much more difficult to empower somebody who might have those soft skills, right? To just get them doing the actual advisory work and the interaction with clients that we need them to. And, you know, and, and instead of looking at licenses and credentials that you can get not necessarily easier, but, but quicker, like EAs, right. You know, to where now they're empowered to do the technical work, but they're licensed. So now you can get them in front of people and, and we're just ignoring all of that. You know, we're not considering that as part of the conversation as well. So you guys are big on the acronym. I love the title of the show is a play on CAS CPA advisory show. Thank you for noticing. Um, the, so you got two acronyms because CPA is an acronym in of, mm -hmm. in of itself too, but uh, that's, that's another thing. But I think we need a new, another new acronym. Like, so we've got CAS and nobody knows what that even means. Um, that's, that's partly the theme of this show too, I think. Everybody has one. a different take on it, which, yeah, I think we need the accounting soft skills acronym. I think that's the most important. So the accounting soft skills, that needs to be an acronym too. ASS, I guess you, that just went straight over your heads. Like the, the joke there, did that not land? ASS, accounting soft skills. Yeah. That's our new acronym. Forget CAS. We just need S. Yeah. I mean, one one of the sort of I guess unofficial taglines that we've that we landed on very early on. This might have been two or three episodes in. Was just be helpful, right? Like like be yeah. helpful for your clients. And I and I think we've taken that concept of yeah, advisory or CAS or whatever you want to call it, and we've just tried to spin it so hard into here are all the things you can do and here are all the services and here's how you can sell it. And now we've got software that will do advisory for you. And those things can be helpful, but at the end of the day, it all just comes back to like, do you know 
your customers? Have you talked to them? How do they feel about things? Are they in a better place today than they were yesterday, financially, emotionally, physically, right? And if if you're not just doing the actual work of talking to people and trying to be helpful, no amount of software or chart showing you here are all the services that are part of CAS and here's how to price things and all this, no amount of all that's going to help. You know what, Jeremy? It's been a long time since we asked the guest, what does CAS mean to you? And it feels mm. like a really opportune time to ask Scott, like, Scott, what does CAS mean to you? Ooh, okay. So CAS, when I first, first time I ever heard CAS was I was on Zero Advisor, Advisor Council or the XPAC, and everybody kept saying this word CAS. And I always do this whenever people start talking about something, I don't know what it is. I'm not afraid to sound stupid. Like, what the hell is this? What is CAS? And I had one person explain it to me. And then I'm like, all right. I had somebody else explain it to me. I'm like, all right. Um, I, and then I just said, this all sounds like write-up to me. <laughs> this all sounds like just write-up or bookkeeping. It, it, so so is this the same wine in a different bottle? And then, uh, and then one person finally said, you know, that's pretty much, it's just the branding of all this group of services and call it what you want. It is still all those things. It's just a group. It's a way to corral all of it together and say, and to sell to accountants. So that's when it clicked. And that's when I got it is it's branding and it's a way to sell us on what we should be doing differently. So then I start seeing who's using it and who's, who's using this phrase. And then I start seeing the phrase change over time too. And most of it's coming from the AICPA or the news outlets like A Accounting Today and, and these others. And they're the ones branding it to 2.0 when nobody even knows what 1.0 is already. And they're adding another A in there. Or they're adding another S and, or they're changing what the C means and nobody quite knows. And it's poor branding then. So, so I look at it like, it's for, and then, and then I start hearing all these other acronyms. And so to me right now, I, I still firmly believe that it's just a brand that was made up, that was executed poorly, that now everybody else is dealing with the aftermath of, and I, it's almost too late for any of them to try to come up with something new because we've already kind of now bastardized it in so many different ways. And people, some people are using it in one way. So I do think to me, it is a way to elevate our services. And it, if it was used correctly, then it's a way, because advisory didn't work either. Before CAS, I kept just hearing advisory. And advisory in itself meant nothing because it meant everything. It meant talking to your clients. It meant adding value. It meant doing the things that we're not doing as accountants. And people got frustrated because they didn't, couldn't put their hands on what they were selling. And the client didn't know when you say, I'm going to sell you advisory. Okay. You're going to give me advice. Like what, what is this? So then you had brands saying, well, no, now we're going to package this a little differently. You're going to sell forecasting or you're going to do FPNA and accountants like FPNA. What's FPNA? Like, I don't know. I even know what that acronym means. That was me. Like I didn't even know what it meant when the first person told me FPNA. I brand my firm as CFO and I still don't know what CFO services is. 
you know, and see, and, and, and see, that's and, another one too. And every every list of cast services, the last one is always CFO services. I'm I'm like you said, I'm reading through a bunch of write up, AR, AP, payroll, forecasting, budgeting, and then CFO services. And Sounds I'm like, like you're doing well, what is here, all right? that stuff if it's not CFO services? I don't know what what's left for CFO services. I'm trying to figure out the difference between fractional CFO and virtual CFO and part-time CFO and every other version of CFO that's out there. And again, like Scott, to your point, it's just branding, right? And when you're trying yep. to figure it out, it's like, well, do people search more for fractional CFO or do they search more for virtual CFO? Well, it's a mess now because yeah. there's the people that we're attracting, like if it's small businesses and it's the you guys are doing the same type that I am, the people you're attracting, they're not looking for any of this stuff. They're looking to get their taxes done and they're looking for somebody to do their books. They're still just looking for that when they're looking for an accountant. So why are we trying to sell something to them that they're not looking for? We can do that on the back end, but we're when they're trying to find us that's what they're looking for typically at least that has never changed over time nobody's really looking for you to say i need you know i, I need an accountant that's going to be my fractional cfo they're actually at the stage where they're looking to hire a cfo at their business they're not looking at us they're actually looking at the market and those are the private that's the private side so why are we trying to take the place of that when that's not the door string, that's not the thing we're putting up on our door. That's not the sign we're putting up in the first place when we become a CPA or become an EA. You know, we're still trying to do, in a lot of ways, a lot of accountants are still very good at compliance. And we're just now learning the fact that maybe that's not what clients are going to need. Maybe they won't need us at all. So we're desperately trying to cling on to these acronyms and other services to make ourselves still feel relevant and still feel like we have a place in the market. And that is honestly like what Ron Baker's been talking about. That's what everybody's been talking about. How do we add more value to our clients when compliance isn't worth what it used to be to them? They're not going to value it when they can go to TurboTax and it's going to do a better job than most of us accountants are doing on their taxes for an individual. Um, because it's asking all the I don't know. I'm not going to say TurboTax is better than accountants. I'm definitely, I shouldn't say that. Especially on, yeah. But you know, kind of know what I mean. Like it there's is. what, you know, you guys are advanced enough to see that the tech is going to replace a lot of us in the compliance side. So how do we stay relevant and how do we stay somebody that clients are going to search for and look for? Um, do we have to pivot our whole profession? Does everybody have to pack up and say, okay, we're not public accounting now. We are all business coaches and advisors. What does that mean to you? Well, it's, I work with this client and I do help this client do this. I still love what Ron is preaching to all of us. We need to guide transformations and we need to make the business owner, make the business owners lives better and help them achieve their dreams or help them extinguish their fears, like whatever that is. Hey, it's Chris. Thanks for tuning into the show and we really hope you're enjoying it. If you like the show, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you really like the show, please leave us a review and we'll read it on the air. If you have a service or an app that is tailored to accountants and you wanna get in front of several hundred accounts that listen to this show every single week, send us an email at host at cpaadvisoryshow.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. So, how are you packaging it? What are you packaging? 
And then what are you calling it in your firm? Like, what are you calling it to the market? Oh, I gave up. <laughs> I gave up. That's why I have a podcast now. That's why I do this bracket challenge because at my firm, we are still now, at, we still aren't niched and we still don't have a new clear offering. We are still now just taking what comes to us with our signs up and our signs basically say we do taxes and we do your accounting or your books. So if somebody comes to us for that, we sell them that. That's what we do for them. I had I spent years and years trying to come up with the answer to what you just asked me, and I was running in circles. Everybody's telling me something different. Everybody's giving me this advice. I'm listening to Cloud Accounting Podcast. They're saying this. Okay, now I'm going to do this. Two months later, they're saying something else. Okay, now I'm going to start doing this. And I'm chasing my tail, and so is my team, and they're getting tired. My team was getting tired of all the new ideas I had. We we're using live plan. And now we're, I'm going to teach all you guys the live plan method. And we're going to do forecasting. And all of our clients need this because that's, that's their solution now. Now they can help plan their businesses better. But all of them didn't need forecasting in the first place because their businesses are doing well. Like they didn't necessarily, not everybody needs a financial forecast. Not everybody needs a budget. They could be just chugging along and maybe they do just need the help and the compliance. So. To answer your question, I want to stay relevant. I want to find a niche and I want to package that stuff the right way. But I almost feel like my firm is too established and we have too many clients that it's so hard to pick that direction and stick to it without drastically like falling into the trap that Jason Blummer did where he cut his client base too early and it had detrimental effects on his firm and he had to build it back up again from scratch almost. Um, I don't want to do that because we got a lot of recurring revenue, but our client base is so broad. So I'm almost content and satisfied with where it's at. And I'm in like the maintenance mode instead of growth. Like I'm not even trying to grow that at all. I just have all these ideas for the next firm I want to start from scratch. Then we'll just deal with this one type of client and everything will be perfect. And that's the holy grail, but I'm never going to get there either because I get in my own way. So. Well, and then you know, you mentioned Ron Baker, and he's mentioned this on our show, and I've heard him say it a bunch of other places. Is you know, if you do come up with that idea, or you do have that business model you want to test that isn't compatible with what you've already got, you know, always just go start a new firm, right? Yep. <laughs> you, right across you the know? street, yeah, you exactly. Got your Ruth's right? Chris, just, and then you got yep. your McDonald's across the street, and that's honestly where my head has been at, and I think that's what I may end up doing. I also know that I don't think I want to do it alone either. Like I ran this firm. I'm the only owner of my firm and I'm, I'm talking about giving my, my management team equity and, and what, what that's going to look like. But I also know that if I'm going to do something new, I want to start it out right with an integrator. Cause I am the visionary. We, we, you guys talk about EOS too. Like that's, that's me to a T I need to start it with somebody with that in mind. And and do it together. I need a partner. I'm better with people. I do better work with people. I we I feed off others. And now that my ego has not been getting in the way with all of my business activities, I feel like I can work with somebody now. I used to get in the way of being able to work with people because my ego was too fucking big. And sorry for my language. But I got in the way of any business relationship I had because of myself like it wasn't ever anybody else's fault i used to think it was other people's fault oh i can't work with this person because of this reason or this reason this reason it was always my own my own fault always now that i've pretty much learned that through the mistakes 
over time, I feel like that's what I would want to do, but I still don't want to do it alone. Like, and that's an important aspect of, for a business owner to learn that too, is maybe you don't have all the answers and maybe you do need somebody to compliment you. Um, so if I'm going to start that Roos Chris, I want to start it with a business partner and not by myself. So going back maybe 10 or 20 minutes, but you had mentioned the gig economy, <laughs> you mentioned yeah. outsourcing, and now that we're kind of on the topic of running a firm, how are you utilizing that? And how are you thinking about that? And how do you think that that's going to evolve in the future for other firm owners and getting comfortable with using some of those methods? Oh yeah, for sure. So we got to the point where I had 12 people in the US at like right before COVID, I think is when, you know, and that was just like the race to grow for whatever reason and to grow to be as big as, as you can. And I, I didn't know what that even meant. We weren't outsourcing quite yet. Um, I think right before COVID we had one person or like a half of a person, we were like dipping our toes in the water. Um, as you know, and as we've all experienced, everybody had a shift during COVID. Um, we actually hired two more people toward the beginning of COVID, but because my mindset shifted on so many things, I'm not in, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not growing as fast. So then we had too much capacity. So then we had to let two people go. So there's, we're down two, now we're down to 10. And then over time, we realized we still had more, more capacity and we had a couple of people leave for various reasons, three, three people over time and four. So now we're down to like, so as, as we had people leaving, we were going to try to fill it with more people in the U S and we couldn't hire anybody. We couldn't find anybody like we used to. There was no, you couldn't put a sign up and get resumes on LinkedIn or indeed like you used to be able to, we had headliners, we couldn't find anybody. So then we, we eventually said we're going all in on the outsourcing. So we have a team there. Um, we hired, we had a full-time person. Then as somebody left, we hired another full-time person. And then we tried to just max our capacity because it's not like we were growing. So what is our capacity? We tried to figure that out. And now we have four people in the Philippines. As we lose more people here, we realize the people that we're hiring in the Philippines are doing better work than the people that we don't have here anymore, the ones that left for whatever reason. They're doing better work, more quality work, and we have the systems in place to work asynchronously with people. And we don't have to all be on the same page. We don't have an office anymore. So everything changed during COVID over time. And I think I sort of backed into some of them too. And some of the solutions that we have now became solutions because of accidental reasons, um, because we just were desperate at a, at a certain point. So now I can see a future far ahead where we're just outsourcing to our, our AI now, which is Asian intelligence, like Michael Lee says. Um, eventually that may become artificial intelligence, but right now it's working for us and it's a quarter of the price than people here and they're doing better work sometimes a fifth of the price compared to some of the people like the prices that you have to pay for for people here now and i will pay those prices for somebody that's client facing that has that like that has that it factor like that one in ten person that can handle a client base on their own early on that they're you know they they're good with people they have those soft skills the ass acronym right they have all that stuff those are the people that I'll pay for here. Those are the ones that we're trying to hire as CFOs or, or advisory type people, because it doesn't matter what they're talking about. They can, they can sell anybody, anything, any idea, and they ask the right questions and they, they know that they don't know everything and that's okay. 
a lot of accountants get in their own way because they don't really know everything. And they're afraid of giving an answer because they're afraid of giving the wrong one. Um, and they're not even asking questions. So those types of people, I think we're always going to need here and they're going to be worth the big bucks, you know, a hundred grand a year or whatever. Um, but all these lower level tasks, outsourcing is the key and, and it is the way, unless you're going to be hiring people from in high school and starting them early, like my other co-host does, Jason Ackerman, like they're, they're basically, their outsource model is hire them really young in high school and get them doing those simple tasks and nurture them and grow them in your firm. And they have a program where they do that with like two or three interns a year just out of high school. Um, and they work them through college and then they start, they pay them, they pay for their college. So that's a long play. You know, you're, you're hiring somebody in high school and you're paying for their education and hoping that they're going to stay with you for the duration of the, your, their career. I think that is one of the solutions too. Um, so everybody's going to have a different model, but I think what this looks like is a combination of younger people that are interested in this type of work, nurturing them. And that's, that is onshore. That is people here or outsourced or AI when that eventually is the solution too. So I don't know if that fully answered the question, but yeah. So it, and it does, and it's a great answer, but, um, what are some of the things that you're outsourcing slash offshoring? Is it bookkeeping? Is it advisory? Is it tax? Is it all the above? How's that working? Good question. So right now it's just basic bookkeeping. Um, we're our firm. I'm not going to call us cast because really all we're doing is write up for the tax return. We're doing cash basis write up for the tax return. Now, Jason stats argues that, well, that is cast too, you know, like, and, and I, eh, you know, I mean, we're not doing a cruel and we're not like doing anybody's bill pay or anything. We're really just doing the write up for the tax return and they're paying us monthly and we got a pretty good thing going. Like our average client pays us eight fifty, and really all we're doing is cash basis books and we're doing their tax return at the end of the year. So most of them are S corps, most of them. So we don't have anybody outsourced doing the tax returns yet, but I'm not ruling that out. I do think that's possible. I did release an interview with um, Nick Sinclair from TOA and they have a lot of tax people there and they have education for tax preparers there now. And I think that's a possibility too. My operations manager doesn't think so yet, but he's almost sold on the idea that they could be preparing returns and we just need somebody here reviewing it. And look at what that does to our capacity for the people here. So we're down to six people in the U.S. for my firm. And we have more revenue and we're a hell of a lot more profitable than we were when we had 12 people. So we've grown top line and bottom line since then. And so, yes, I do think that's the way. And they could be doing tax. Um, there's still some issues, though. We just recently, uh, we had like a... I, I now see my team when we get, go all go out to dinner because I don't really even do anything at the firm anymore. But what they were talking about during dinner was one of our outsourced guys logged into somebody's bank account. And then the client, before they even asked anybody anything, they closed their account because they saw an alert, somebody from Philippines logging into your account. And it used to be somebody in the U.S. And so they closed their account without even asking us or telling us anything. So I think we're still always going to deal with those issues of, people being adversarial because of security reasons. And we're still navigating that new landscape of 
how do you stay protected when everything's connected anyway? And a lot of it's outside of our control. A lot of banks are getting hacked into or places are getting hacked into, and it's nothing we could have done to prevent that. So how do we approach the security aspects of this? I'm not the answer to that because I do everything wrong when it comes to that. Don't, don't ask me how we're doing everything. Um, but navigating these kind of things and, and telling clients, yes, we outsource, but this is the person you work for. I think most clients don't care. As long as they can work with somebody that speaks their language that they can have a conversation with, they don't even care about the credentials of that person, to be honest. Like I, I see it all the time. People used to call me a CPA always, and I was never a CPA. I'm the son of a CPA. I'm an EA. But I, I couldn't correct them because they still did it the next time I talked to them anyway. And, you know, that was just so the licensure thing, you know, back to your question, Jeremy, earlier about what are we going to do about all that? Like arranging the deck chairs, that that is the deck chair is the license. Like Ron firmly believes we don't even need licensure anymore in our profession because it doesn't mean as much as it used to. Like he's he's almost a believer. He is a believer of just doing away with it altogether. Um, I'm not, I'm not on that level yet. I mean, uh, I'm thinking of uh, scheduling a debate between him and Blake because Blake is firmly a believer of the, of the licensure. So Jeremy, you might be, um, that might be the next debate that you moderate. Um, and it, actually I think it'd be a good follow up. I, I might have too many, uh, points I'd want to throw in. It might be on one of the debate. teams. Yeah. yeah no. It might be on one of the teams. So yeah. we'll see. So no, I, I, I think the issue is is just that we've let the CPA expand to be way more than what it actually is. And so nobody actually knows what it really is. Exactly what we did with CAS and what we did with the word advisory. You know, we're going to keep doing that because none of us really know the direction we're headed in because we don't know what the future holds. We do know that we need to be more for our clients. But what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for your firm? Everybody's firm is different. So how do we how do we all come to a general like what's the future look like? And I do think that CAS is going to find its way in that future because it's too big now to ignore. Um, and so like, what does this CAS advisory thing mean? And who's going to like, who's going to really be able to articulate it in the best possible way that this is it. This is the future. This is the way um, we'll get there. I just think that also our industry is too big too. And we have too many different service offerings all underneath the umbrella of accountants. Now, like it's not just tax. It's not just bookkeeping. I think I saw a tweet about that the other day is, you know, you look at your typical accounting firm and there's bookkeeping, there's tax preparation. There's usually some sort of tax planning, tax advisory. There might be some wealth advisory. There might be some CFO services, right? Each of those is a separate seven-figure business, right? Like exactly. you, you can start and run a seven-figure business doing just one of those things by yourself. Just bookkeeping. Yeah, right? And and we're lumping all of them together under this one accounting firm title, right? And 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 it's no wonder we're crazy, right? It's no wonder because we're trying to run four, five, six, seven different businesses all under one roof and be everything to everybody for all of our clients. See, I need to learn that with this whole like platform I'm trying to build with Accounting High, because the first answer I gave you was, I want to do what this guy's doing and this guy and this guy. I want to do courses. I want to do community. I want to do the content like I, I want to and the coaching. So 
I'm already like starting to see that in the other business too. Like, I think we do all need to focus and it's so hard for some people to just focus on one thing because they get distracted. They see these other opportunities. Well, this is uh, something that Chris and I talked on a recent, talked about on a recent episode was quality control, right? Because when I, when I first started the first couple of years I was in this, I did nothing but tax and very quickly, but, but tax for mostly for like independent contractors and freelancers. And so a lot of them, an S corporation made sense. Well, very quickly I realized, Hey, it's one thing to recommend an S corporation to a customer. It's another thing to have to do their tax return when you don't know what they, if they ever ran payroll or not. Right. And you know, you can refer them to gusto, but you don't know if they ever set it up. You don't know if they ever ran it. You don't know how much they ran. And you can recommend QBO or zero to them. But if they do their own bookkeeping, you don't know if they know anything about bookkeeping. You don't know if the books are right. And so when it comes, so you can say, I'm only going to do the tax return, but then based on what, right? Based on a bunch of shoddy data from the client. So how do you make sure the quality of the data are good? Well, I'll just do it myself, right? And, and I and think that's, that's why a very tax natural firms kind of started place. doing, that's yeah. why tax firms started doing CAS, right? And that's yeah. what. And honestly, but now we're being how, pushed that, right? Like, like, don't just be a tax repair, be an advisor. I do think that you need to have a complete offering in this market. Like Kenji talked about it in, in the first episode that he was on where he accidentally backed into everything else. And they started as CFO forecasters, you know, like that's, that was what they led with. And then they realized, okay, now we need to actually do the books. So we have reliable data okay, now we actually, we can do the taxes. Not that hard. Let's buy a tax firm. Let's start doing taxes. So they completed their offering. And I think that honestly, like my argument would be firms should offer all of those services, but they, what they need to do is figure out who their customer is and target them and speak to them. And then you can offer all of those services to that customer. But if your marketing even if it's just for one industry, each industry itself is big enough. If you say, I want to target marketing agencies or digital marketing or just marketer, like, or Brandon Hall creative. with real estate investors, right? Like that's exactly. all we're going to do is real estate investors, yeah. just real estate investors. But then what type of real estate investors? Because there's three different types, you know? So which ones are you really going after and knowing your market? I think that's when you can create the complete offering. And I think Summit did a very good job of that. Um, Jody Grundon and they, they got acquired. So now they're part of a larger firm that does everything still, but some, it was, here's our target. Here's what we're going to do for them. And now we're going to charge a lot for it. And, you know, I was going to say they don't track time. They, they do track time still too. And they did back when I interviewed them. So I, you know, the time thing, we even talked about that. Honestly, I shouldn't have brought it up because I don't want to talk about it. Um, but like people are starting to figure this out and that's why I called Jody's episode, the model cloud accounting firm. Cause I think there is a way and there is, there are people that we can learn from them, the mistakes they made along the way and the things they found out and what they, the conclusions they drew. I do think that is the future. That is the way is what summit CPAs did and the way they ran their firm. Um, because they proved that you can do it. You can have a 10 million, plus firm with a niche offering all of these extra advisory services with intent and have employees. I know they have a high turnover rate though, too. So 
they may need to still figure some things out. All of it seemed too good to be true when I was talking to them that I did find out and I did talk to some people that did work there and they aren't anymore, but not to get too specific. Uh, they, they do have a complete offering and they're starting to really productize advisory because they know their audience. So they're solving that audience's problems and they're marketing to them the right way. And then once they have them in the door, those are their ideal clients. And then they don't have to explain what advisory is. They're just going to talk about, here's the problems that we're solving for you. And here's your desired future state. And we're going to get you there because we got these clients there and people will pay thousands of dollars a month for that. Like that's when you prescribe somebody's problem before they could even tell you just based on a few things that they said, and you tell them, I know the way to solve that problem. I'll open up my wallet. Like went to the doctor today and I just found out I'm going to have to take suppositories for the rest of my life. If somebody else tells me that I won't have to do that here, here's my money and tell me what I got to do now that I don't have to do that shit the rest of my life. You know, like, that's not a terrible example. <laughs> and I just <laughs> derailed the conversation, but that's, that's what I do. I talk about ass and suppositories. Okay. Today, so, so. so bringing it back real quick. Um, there was like a really interesting study that came out. I want to say it was in January at some point. I want to say it was accounting today, but don't hold me to that. And it basically said that CAS, for the most part, where those customers were coming from, were from tax. It was basically just an upsell from tax. But you yeah. just gave, the, between the two of you, you just gave some really good examples, right? So Summit was very much a advisory first firm, still, like I guess still is, I would suppose. And then Acuity. Well, which you gave a very firm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Acuity, you gave a specific example where they started with the CFO stuff and then bought a tax practice. So like, where do you fall on that? What do you think is the most, or is it either way works? What do you think? Either way works. I, I don't think there's a right answer to that because everybody eventually backs into their offering. Um, I think you have to start with what you know and don't try to do what you don't know until you know it. Don't try to sell. That's one thing I've learned along the way too. Do not try to sell what you don't know and fake it till you make it. Like sometimes that does work, but you're going to, it's going to be a lot longer of a journey if you try and do that. Cause you're going to churn a lot of clients. You're going to oversell the offering. They're going to come back and say, eh, this isn't really what you sold me on. Like, and so figure all that other stuff out first before you start selling it and offering it at your firm but the only way, the only way to figure it out is to actually start doing it back to that soft skills and to like learning on the job and learning from the streets i still i'm a firm believer of like that's the only way you learn something is by screwing it up making a mistake and doing something like that so you know try to learn the right ways to do something before you start offering it but then also there's no other better time to do that stuff than after you've mastered one thing then start learning something else um don't know the answer to all that, but also sometimes I believe that if you stayed just doing taxes at your firm and outsourced everything else, you could still be very successful and very profitable. Like Ackerman, the BNA, they're they're getting rid of CAS altogether. They're just going to partner with people and they they're just going to do taxes. And they're, you know, five, six million dollar firm making 1.2 million profit. So why not just do taxes? Who, what more could you ask for? Like, I don't know. I don't know if there is the right answer. Well, it, it kind of sounds like though, um, 
you know, Chick-fil-A versus McDonald's, right? McDonald's will try to turn anything into a McDonald's product and Chick-fil-A, it's just chicken, right? I mean, Ooh. you know, and, and they're both successful models. One's closed right? on Sundays. <laughs> well, <laughs> and right. And, and, and I think that's another good point, right? You know, when we're all in the middle of tax season right now is, um, you know, you can still be successful and take some time off every week. So I don't know. I would love to be yeah. closed on Sundays. That'd be great. I used to be so busy during tax season and I don't know if I ever complained about it. I kind of like didn't complain, but my family would complain and I would just always be working. Right. Like everybody talks about that. Tax season is crazy. So the last two years I haven't done anything during tax season. I haven't done my own taxes, but now I just created something new that keeps me busy every day. I was working on Sunday and Saturday with this damn bracket challenge during tax season. Like I just created something entirely new. And now that's like, that's keeping me busy on Sundays. So I'm working on Sundays again. But and I think I love- there are some that I, I think there are a lot of taxpayers out there that just legitimately live for the adrenaline dopamine rush of tax season, right? That they will not modernize their processes. They will not go from, yeah. you know, manual document collection to a portal, right? Because they just like that rush. They like the rush of people coming in off the street. I, you know, I worked for a guy uh, that, for a tax season. And I, I think he just loved, he had this little house that he bought right in the middle of neighborhood that it was, it was like one house that had been converted mm-hmm. to commercial property decades ago. And he bought that and he had his practice there. And he just loved the fact that people could just walk in whenever they want. And, you know, he could sell them a two, three, four hundred dollar ten forty, and we could turn around and get it done in the next couple of days. Like he just, he thrived on that kind of operation. To me, it was hell on earth, <laughs> but, but for him, it was perfect. So for some people, they, they don't, you say they, they chase that high or they like that dopamine rush, but also the pains are not as great for them. They've been dealing with this for so long. They know how to deal with it. They actually don't have too many pains of their present. So their present is not that painful. That means the pains of change for them are greater than their pains of the present. Like they're the pains of change and the pain that they would have to go through to modernize their offering is way too big for them to even care about doing that and to to even entertain the idea. Like, okay, now we're going to have to invest in all this tech. We're going to have to teach everybody how to use it. We're going to have to train all of our clients on it. And we're going to have to change our mindset around everything that we do. And I don't want to do that. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing because my, I'm not having that many problems. Like I'm making money. I'm doing fine. My clients aren't asking for any more. So they're happy. You know, they're not leaving. What's the, why are you guys telling me I need to change? Right? Like that's, I'm so I'm sort of being empathetic to that. Like they may not have any reason to change and that's okay. They're just not going to be able to sell their offering when they're ready to retire either. Yeah. That's the other thing, right? Is, is, you know, what's the, what's the plan there? Because the same guy that I worked for, he had just bought the book of business maybe two years, three years before I started working for him. And the guy that he bought it from would still come in with a handful of tax returns from clients that just still wanted him to do it, even though he was retired, even though he didn't own the firm anymore. (laughs) And he had filled them out by hand. And so one of my jobs that that tax season was to take this small stack of handwritten tax returns and key them into the software. Um, and, and so, yeah, I learned, I learned the difference between, 
you know, a, a modern firm and that kind of firm uh, real quick. And, you know, again, like you said, I don't think it, one is right or wrong. It's just, it's fit, right? Does it, does it work for you? Does it work for your staff? Does it work for your clients? And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. So we've had a wide ranging conversation for sure. We're bumping up on time. Um, Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. What do you want to leave the listeners with? So like, what's, what's the big takeaway? Where can they find you? All the good stuff. Yeah. So check out Accounting High. Um, it's a content hub right now in a podcast. We've got a YouTube channel that we started, but really it's just has my raps on there and a couple of live shows. So, uh, I don't know. Um, Tell us about the the raps. How'd you get started with the raps? Oh, Oh, I'd love to talk about the raps. So I'm a big hip hop head. I've been listening to rap my whole life. And back in college, that's what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be a screenwriter, a rapper. I wanted to make movies. I wanted to act. I wanted to do comedy. And then I got into some trouble when I was in high school. Or not in high school, when I was in college. And rerouted my whole life. I ended up backing back into accounting. So accounting's always been part of my life. My grandfather's CPA, my dad was CPA. I felt like that was in my blood anyway. So I ended up doing accounting for 15 years, right? And beginning of COVID, I had this whole redirection. Since I started doing the podcast, I felt like that's entertainment, that's media. And I've been messing with mics. I've been editing the podcast myself. So I'm starting to learn all these aspects of that. And then, uh, and then I had this idea like I want to finally do a rap and I'm going to do a parody. So the idea that came into my head was there's one song um, by outcast AT aliens. And I was thinking CP aliens, cause I'm a CP alien. I'm not a CPA. I'm adjacent. And I'm, but I'm playing one like on air or like I'm, I mix with all of them. So I'm a CP alien. And I, and I did that. And that was like, it took me like seven months and you weren't at the fresh pack meetup, but that's when I performed it too. So it took me like seven months to write it to my liking to where I could release it. The first thing I released it on was like an episode with Jason stats where I was talking about it. And then I put it on the end of that episode. Um, and it's all about, it's basically about like the shit we talk about on the podcast. And it's, so that was my first one. And then I was in Mexico last year. I always go to Mexico for about a month out of the year. And I had this idea for app wraps. So we had a new sponsor. We had two new sponsors, Dark Horse CPAs and Giraffe. And I had this idea, well, I'm going to take Katy Perry's Dark Horse song and do a parody of Dark Horse for Dark Horse CPAs because there's a rapper on that one. So I'm going to do that. And then for Giraffe, I'm going to take a Jay-Z song and I'm going to do a parody of Jay-Z. And then and I just had this idea for the whole mixtape. Like I can just do raps for everybody. So I eventually did one. I had Dave Barrett scheduled to be on with Expensify and I had the idea. They call themselves the super app. So I was like, oh, wow, I could take Eminem Superman and back into that. So I took all Dave Barrett's copies from his emails. I know you guys probably get his emails. Um, They're crazy. I think they're great. And I took that and I worded that into the Eminem's Superman and I just kept doing it. I did one for FreshBooks. I did Outcasts, So Fresh, So Clean. Call it So Fresh, So Easy. So, and then I just, kept doing them i started writing some of my own too i started doing parodies of like books like i took simon sinek's infinite game and i turned that into a rap i took i mixed it with eminem's infinite um so i was like marrying two different things together and i thought that was fun just recently did the tax accountants anthem maybe i could play it for you guys i don't know if um we got time for that 
but I want to get some reaction to that because that's DMX's Rough Riders anthem, and that one's not sponsored. That's the one I just read hot, hot off the press. Um, and that's what I want my thing to be. That's like, that's who I want to be is, is a rapper. I've got this whole other I, couple identities. So my rap name now is OKR. We didn't talk about OKRs during this episode, but we could have. And I'm not that kind of OKR, but I, I like the double entendre. So I'm an OK rapper, right? That's the <laughs> OKR that I, that mine stands for. But I could also be an objective and a key result to whatever you want it to be. Do you know Steve Zellin? Uh, CPA no. in New York City. He goes by Singing CPA on Twitter and early in COVID. Well, I guess, I guess not too early. Uh, he came out with a remix of Naughty by Nature's OPP, but it was PPP. Ooh, I love the I will, idea I will, of that. I will send you the YouTube of that. Yeah. Please it's, send it's that to me. Good. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I just recently did one. What's up? Would you send us the rap? We'll play it as the outro. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I'll send it over. Uh, so I... um. I did one recently for guys at AppStream up at Growth Lab, and that one was my first music video. So in case you guys didn't see it, I can explain what happened there. But um, for anybody that did see it, I, I posted it everywhere because I was so excited about it. So I was traveling earlier this year, and we were in Park City, and I had just finished this rap like the end of December. It was my 10th rap, the 10th one I did, and it was like that I capped off the year with that. And man, I loved it. It was like, I'm too excited about that rap. That was the, like the one that I felt like I was working toward. And so we're, we're in Park City, Utah, and we're snowmobiling. And I'm with Nicole McKenzie. She's co-host on my show and a couple others that you guys probably know. Dan Luthi, I think he's been on your show. Um, and we were snowmobiling. And I'm like, I could do a music video for this rap on the snowmobile. So then we started recording on my phone, like, I was just doing the rap. I was basically doing it on the snowmobile and while I was driving and then in the snow later that day. And then we went to a gusto thing and there was like 30 accountants there. And we already happened to be at a place where I could perform the rap because we were doing stand up like our, it was like improv lessons. And then we were going to do karaoke. So in between I had a couple people film a live version of the rap too. And so I, I twist, I, uh, I used all the footage and kind of stitched it all together and I made my first music video. So that's the one thing on the YouTube channel, or that was the one. Um, so now I got this idea to do the tax accountants anthem to get some, some people in their offices since I don't have a tax office anymore and to just kind of make this a, a, a record for the people like, and have everybody doing the hook on their own. So I can, I can give, share that with you. We can play it as the outro. So, uh, Awesome. I think we've got to get an episode with some of these uh, musical accountants on here. I think we've got to bring you <laughs> and Steve Zellin on and oh, hell yeah. people and for and sure have a, have a jam session, have a, and I, I don't know why that wouldn't qualify for some CPE. I think it absolutely should. So I, I asked Blake, I said, can my first mixtape be on earmark as like, if it's 52, like right now my 10 raps are over 52 minutes. So technically <laughs> that could be, I mean, wow. There's there enriching content in there. What do you say? Right. Um, eh, you know how Blake is. <laughs> With all of my ideas, all of my ideas, he doesn't like them early stage. And then eventually he gets <laughs> Maybe it. he comes around too. He does come around though. He, he loves this bracket thing too. And at the beginning he was just like, what? Uh, you know, Leary kind of talked about doing something like that. It's not going to work. Imagine so, that all the way around. Well, super appreciate you being on the show. Uh, like I said, we'll definitely have to bring you back. Hear some of this music um, and uh, hear how things are going with the Counting High. Dope. 
Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It's fun. Thanks, Scott. Welcome to Accounting High. Ah. Something's due. Stop. Don't drop. You source docs in a shoebox. Oh, no. Taxable income is not cash flow. Stop. Don't drop. You source docs in a shoebox. Oh, no. Taxable income is not cash flow. Tax clients try and lie. Tax pros want to comply. Tax clients whine and cry. Tax pros go run and hide. All we know is pain. Tax season is insane. We will remain profane with all this tax law on our brain. Now we file compliance. Taxes for our clients. And we remain unbiased when your tax rate is the highest. Our tax prep is accurate. You got it. No, you don't get it. Carry it forward and forget it. That's a non-refundable credit. Who you gonna run to? The service ran up on you. There should be no issue. When you're truthful, then you're bulletproof. We agree to vote taxes. It's so easy, do your own taxes. We see no SE taxes, IRS season mo taxes. Nothing we can't handle, facts are circumstantial. It's a systemic issue, now your return is under review. No, that will not abate, your penalty without debate. Cheapskate, we get irate when you underappreciate. Stop, don't drop, your source stocks in a shoebox. Oh, no, taxable income is not cash flow. Stop, don't drop. You source stocks in a shoebox. Oh, no. Taxable income is not cash flow. Y'all know tax season's crazy. My employee's getting lazy. Stop acting like it's easy. Mind your business, attorney. Y'all think taxes are simple? Well, let me explain something to you. Our parting ways is long overdue. We're just too nice to fire you. Another tax deadline countdown? Watch tax pros have meltdowns. Post-tax season wind down? Office gonna be a ghost town. Oh, you can't get a hold of me? Need a copy of your 1040? We sent that shit already. That'll be a buck fifty to print a copy. Oh, you don't know how to read? Get it to me by March 30. Tax due by 415. It's too late. You're not early. You're trying to buy a home? And you need a loan And broker just said Don't write nothing off Hell no Lied to justify your PPP Way back in 2020 Try to qualify for ERC But employees you don't have any I don't think they'll ever End this reign of terror I'm a tax preparer And I will amend an error Stop Don't drop Your source docs in a shoebox Oh No Taxable income is not cash flow Stop Don't drop you source stocks in a shoebox. Oh, no. Taxable income is not cash flow. Look at all the returns we started. Ask for info, now we got it. Had it, we should have finished it. Now we got to extend it. Yes, my tax staff is in the U.S. Enrolled to practice before the IRS. We are the tax accountants. We deal with clients and compliance. What info are you waiting for? Get these returns out the door. You elected to be an S-Corp, but now it's April 4th. Return due back in March. 2553 still in the drawer. Have you filed late before? Oh, you only took draws? Now it's time to send your 941X. Grab the pre-printed in red. Yeah, that's taxed by the Fed. Another terrible spreadsheet. We don't cheat, we file correctly. Your tax due don't affect me. Get 1099 NEC. 315's when it was due. Got a fax receipt to prove. Is it 23 or 22? I forgot what I needed to do. So in a year's time, you hear this tax season rhyme? Just sign the 8879 and we'll file it on time. Stop. Don't drop. Your source stocks in a shoebox. Stop being cheap, mother...
Hey, it's Jeremy. Thanks for listening to the CPA Advisory Show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Leave a rating and write us a review. We'll probably read your review on the air too. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at CPA Advisory Show. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the show, let us know by emailing host at cpaadvisoryshow.com. Thanks again. 